We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, Monday, June twenty seventh, and you know what we do on Mondays? We spend Mondays with McCool, James McCool, the co-author, with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a fifteen-hour. DFS Masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, get your thumbs-ups in on your way through the door. I see Suki Sings here as early as usual. Doug Montgomery, too. We'll be talking a you know, nice 45 minutes to 60 minutes. Just general, what we do on Mondays, it's kind of like, you know, we regroup for the week. What's going on? What's been happening? Uh, James, you, you've been working on stuff for... Uh, for, for the for the new edition, we're we're coming out with a sequel. Yeah. If you didn't already know, uh, the the four advanced players version of uh, the theory of DFS with more application based learning. Obviously, I would suggest you pick up the first one because uh, without the first one, you may not understand some of the stuff in the second one. Uh, but that should be out uh, end of July, early August, and uh, and we'll we'll be reaching out if you're in the Roto Grinders Premium Discord. Okay. You're, you're part of the Blenders Game Theory channel. I, I, I answer questions in there. If you want to talk to me, that's the that's the best place to get just direct access to me. So subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. Any package doesn't matter. It could be combo, it could be one sport. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and uh, we'll also need some some tools testers. So I already posted in there that uh, you know at some point I'm going to get two or three people 
that are that different different levels of Excel knowledge. Like it's someone that knows Excel very well, someone that's like familiar, and then someone that has like almost has never used Excel ever. Just so we get a sense, because uh, in addition to uh, the the new, it'll be like somewhere between ten and fifteen hours of audio. And uh, and James, you're you're you are you're building some Excel tools that uh, that I was testing over the weekend to check my check the probability of my dupe duped lineups in in MMA. And uh, let's just say the first run didn't work out that well, but you, you picked. Yeah, uh, I mean, sometimes model building is more of a art than science, right? Like, um, sometimes you want to play around with things. So that that was, if you go over, if you have a subscription over at Pater, uh, I have an MMA model now that is built, uh, Blender a lot off of the logic that you utilize when you're building out your leverage stuff and and utilizing more of like a, a baseline set of leverage rather than an actual projection. So I, I took that idea, I built out an MMA model as well. And in that MMA model, um, I have a little lineup building thing that uh, you can put together a lineup, you can just hand build it in the sheet. And then uh, it'll show you, you can put in the average field, you can put in the field size for like the contest here. And like, if it was the $15, it was like 31,000 entries or something like that. And then it'll show you a projection of how many duplications you are going to have on that lineup. So um, the first run of it, I was like, man, I'm going to make this cool. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to make this like this really awesome long formula and function. And it's going to look great. And I'm going to be able to brag about it. And I put together that whole run and uh, the formula sucked. <laughs> it was so bad. It was way over projecting the amount of dupes that it was going to have. And um, I, I sent it over to Jordan, and Jordan's like, "No, this is this is terrible." I'm it's like, just run, right. I don't even have to do the math to know that it was because it was it. It told I I put in my entire hundred lineup set for large field, mm -hmm. and my lowest duped lineup was like twenty four times, and I'm like, <laughs> like this this ain't this ain't ha I mean, like, like I just yeah. tell these numbers are wrong. It's like it's a forty nine one lineup with three sub twenty percent owned players mm -hmm. and no main event fighter, and I'm like. This is maybe this is duped two or three times, but I think this yeah. is more likely to be unique. And you're telling me it's going to be duped 22 times or something. And I'm yeah. like, this is that, but it, the, at least from looking through the lineups, you would, you were from what I could tell directionally. Right. Like, if I would have like divided everything by 22 or something, yeah. like then, then I think it would have been, it would have been made more sense. And that was the crux of it, right? And and I asked even in our DMs, you were like, no, this is wrong. And I'm like, okay, look, it's fine if it's wrong. If it's like way over, that's fine. But is it at least directionally accurate? And you said, yes. I'm like, okay, that's good enough to know like, okay, I need to tweak some globals. I need to redo a couple things here. That's fine. So um, after the fact, I had a couple guys that tested it out and um, I had them send me over their actual dupes and their, their CSVs so that I could measure and get like a true reading of it. So um, I, I redid that. And now the formula is correct. Uh, it goes off of like the very basic um, product of the player ownerships. But then I was able to get some extra uh, variables in there that make it a bit more accurate. So um, one of the CSVs that I had for testing, um, he had way too many uniques I, and i guess you can't have way too many uniques but like he had way more uniques than he actually wanted to have right um and so he 
he had like 64 uniques and then the new logic that i had for checking a portfolio here had him at 53 as projection so i'm pretty happy with that but uh that's one of the tools that we're going to be including in the new course is being able to check your duplications and being able to put in your portfolio of lineups that you plan to upload into either mma or pga or any showdown this is a really really helpful tool for showdown um this is going to be something that is included in there so you can check and say okay well you know with this lineup set i'm only projected to have five unique lineups and only like 10 lineups under 10 so i really need to get more unique um it, it's something that i i've been working really hard on that there's a lot of other things that we're going to have in there but this is the kind of stuff that we're going to be putting in there is stuff that makes it so you are able to build more plus ev lineups and build more portfolios of lineups that you can actually make money with rather than being part of a 125 train that takes down first place and banks the tournament for like seven dollars right and, and this is this applies you'll be making it for showdown contest also mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep so it's going to be built uh th there's going to be this for th this kind of tool isn't quite as good for things like nfl or mlb or things like that where ownerships typically are not very high and there's more players correlation is involved but for things like pga mma and any showdown slate this is going to be a really really valuable tool um and, and there's going to be some other kind of like nice mm -hmm. bells and whistles in there showing you uh a couple things regarding your projections for the lineups and uh where you hold the most levered and stuff like that but the the basic idea behind this is am i building for enough dupes and under fives to make this set of lineups worthwhile right it's a, it's more it's basically a more advanced version of my combo calculator yeah that i use in google sheets and let me tell you as someone who's uh, considers themselves a three out of ten in excel uh, the utilization of, of, of what you sent over to me was very, very simple. Very, very, you basically, you, you cut and paste, you cut and paste. You, all you need is the slate file from DraftKings or from any source. And then, and then your lineups file. And just mm -hmm. like, as long as you have the, basically the fighters and the salaries, you cut and paste into the one zone and then you take your lineups and you cut it into another sheet. And then you go to the other sheet and it shows you everything. The, the only uh, thing that I would suggest, I'll, do, I'll say it live on the air, is that uh, can you, uh, that, so you can make, make the change, can you normalize, can you auto-convert uh, or strip out the percentage symbol in ownership? Because depending on where you're importing and exporting from, mm -hmm. some people uh, have it as, as a percent and some people have it as a decimal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can do that. Because yep. let's just like where where I where, where it exports from my sheet, my sheet is is a percentage. So like if I put it in a percentage in in your sheet, it gives me it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do because it's looking for a number. It's looking for yeah. 0.28, not twenty eight percent. So like that, I could I could see how how new users yeah. Like I could convert that. Like I, what I did is I just converted it. So like mm -hmm. I, I could do that manually. So that's that's fine. But I can understand people that aren't as familiar with Excel will do that and go. But I'm putting in the percentages. Yeah. And then not, and then nothing happens. And then you see, oops, yeah. sir. It says all your lineups are unique. And I'm like, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's uh yeah that's easy enough. I it would just be a, a translation. But yeah, that's uh, one of the things that I struggle with the most as a model builder is building things that are easy to use. That's like, 
it's so hard. For, so that that makes me feel better that that it was pretty right. Other hard. other than that, it was like cut like that. But that's how we want these tools to be. That yeah. these these Excel tools. There are 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 these major tools? Are these a lot a lot of things you could end up working out in lineup HQ? It's not. Mm -hmm. It's like this is we're not reinventing anything. These aren't like special. It's just little things to make your time more efficient, right? To help you. So you don't have to go through combinations. You don't have to run, you know, 600 lineups and then manually uh, eliminate one here. This one's too on. This one's too low projected, whatever that mm -hmm. you could just kind of cut and paste it in Excel and have it do it for you and then re-upload it and then do whatever the hell you want with it. So like something that would normally take you five or 10 minutes now takes you, you know, under 30 seconds. So like, we're kind of trying to improve your time yep. more than anything. Yeah. Uh, Grant Brown in the chat about the MMA slate, because it was interesting that the top two optimals in, in uh, on Saturday were not played, even though it was only a 12 fight card. So the top two optimals, well, the top, the optimal was, was uh, uh, the second optimal because Nerd and Becky with the, with the 40, there was a 47, eight lineup. That was optimal. And the second best line was 49-2. But he's he's asking, hypothetically, if you did the product ownership, it should have been duped on average 10 times. But uh, but it wasn't, it was literally not even played. So it wasn't even unique. It literally wasn't in the contest. And uh, that was primarily due to, to construction. And uh, yeah. that's why I wanted to point out. Uh, I wish, I wish I I wish I took my own advice, James, for for more. For, for all of my 100 lines. I didn't, and uh, I I could have gotten to that one. That 49-2 lineup, I could have gotten to because uh, my hot take of the week in the expert survey, two two weeks in a row, my hot take has come 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 true. Oh, so you've, you've binked every tournament two weeks in a row? Uh, no, because there's way too many combos of these types of lineups that you can't make them. Sure. Uh, only one 9K salary final fighter makes the optimal lineup. Now, obviously... Uh, the winning lineup had two 9K fighters, but that wasn't the optimal lineup. You didn't have right. to play Nermega Madoff. So, uh, so yeah, the, the main reason that 49-2 lineup, I was shocked it wasn't, I would, you know, it, it seemed like it should have been played. Uh, it's not like it was that ridiculous. It's just the ownership of the 9K fighters, especially uh, the 9,500 Nermega Madoff, the 9,300 Rockmanoff, and the 9,100 Sarukin was just so dramatically high. That's there were so many more constructions of two nine two nine k lineups, but had one of those three. When in fact you needed like you needed none of those. You know you need Rockmanoff. You need one. You need the ninety three hundred dollar guy who's the lower owned of those three nine k fighters. So like in order to get to that lineup, uh, pretty tough to do if you're playing one of like there's there there are many combinations. That you can make that only has one 9k fighter in it and uh i didn't make enough i didn't i did not make enough i didn't make enough of that right it could i could have once i saw that that was the optimal I was like oh, i could have gotten there I, I i made money i on mma i made a little a little money anyway because uh i i i didn't have much of uh, the main event favorite and he lost so like yeah, yeah. So that, that's always good when he's like the most one of the most owned fighters on the entire slate uh Doug Montgomery, we'll go to the, this other thing. Okay, last week, you could always type your questions into YouTube chat. We're not just here, me and James, talking amongst ourselves. We could, but we don't have to. Uh, oh, Doug yeah. Montgomery says, last week I asked about the FanDuel 100-man FanDuel ex experiment. 
quote, and I'll talk about that, on why you put one entry in and you say you're only building one lineup. So my question is about using three entries or two. Is it better to max out? That has nothing to do with my experiment, Doug. I'm not going to play duplicated lineups into a progressive payout GPP. So I'm building one lineup to play in all 100 mans, all 20 mans, all small field GPPs. So I'm not going to I'm not going to duplicate myself. Duplicate the whole purpose of this experiment is that the correlation but the duplication and correlation between lineups in the field gives you more equity. You do, you want to be at, at the the least correlative to the rest of the field while still maintaining the highest projection. So why the hell would I want to do that to myself by playing the same two lineups in? If anything, I'd play three different lineups that were nowhere near correlated to each other while still maintaining a high projection. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's a second, maybe that's the second phase of, of this, this experiment. But no, I'm just, on both sites for this quote experiment, I'll show you the past week, I'm up $2,192. Okay, it's a 16% ROI. And of course, the first day I, I could almost scrap because I don't think I even played it well. Uh, and of course, this is also a very extremely small sample size. I'm playing three mans and five man type contests where you're only expected to cash 20 to 33% of the time. So like two out of three, you know, two, like in a week, if I have two, if I have three winning days in a week, that's profitable. So I should expect to lose four out of seven days as it is. So going by a, a seven day sample is kind of one, right? One, Two, three. I, I, well, I had three winning days out of seven, but one was much bigger than the other because I went on both sites and two different slates. Because this test technically isn't seven days. This is like nine slates. Yeah. I played the late. If there's more than four game, if there's four plus games on like the late slate or something, I'll play yeah. that as a normal slate. But I won't play the two or three game like like the afternoon slate on Sunday. Like I'll play that because that's a four game slate. Mm -hmm. Uh. But the, the the experiment is I played two lineups on the on the well, I'll caveat this on the larger slates I will play two lineups on each site, so I am playing a quote cash lineup, but it's not a cash lineup. It is a triple up, quintuple up, three man, five man style lineup. A safe lineup, right? Uh, and then the second lineup is a small field something on DK would be like the one twenty one. Like the small field under 500 entry GPPs, but I'll also throw in like they play. They have those hundred man hundos, right on DK. I play those. I play. I play anything that's that's progressively paid out. Now, quintuple ups is the other lineup. But like if there's a twelve dollars single entry, you know, uh, 192 man contest like that. That's that lineup. And uh, on FanDuel, I do the same thing. So on FanDuel, I'm playing three mans, five mans. Triple ups, you know, uh, 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 10 mans, three out of 10, as long as it pays like a triple up, like one lineup. And then my other lineup is for the same type of thing. The $25 single entry stuff. That's like 500 entries or less. The 20 mans that pay three top three, the hundred mans that play top 12, right? Cause those, you need a 12th percent to ride top, you know, 88th percentile score. So I'm looking to keep like 15, if you need a top 85th percentile score is one lineup. And if I need like a top 70th percentile score is I, then, then I need like another lineup. So I'm building two lines. Now, eventually I, 
you could end up building a lineups that are like for three mans and then lineups that are for five mans, then lineups that are for a hundred mans. Then now I could have maybe five different lineups, but for right now, I'm just concentrating on that and also gathering the data. Cause I'm also on both sides playing head to heads and double ups, but not many, not a large portion of them just so I could have some data. Mm-hmm. Right. At, at, at worst, I'm slightly negative EV in those at worst. At best, maybe my maybe a head-to-head matrix, as long as I'm playing at spa, a wide array of opponents, may actually be profitable, but that's what I'm testing out. So, like, I'm kind of throwing them in for experimentation purposes, but theoretically, uh, I shouldn't be playing lineups that are three points lower projected than other people in head-to-heads or, or, or in, in double-ups, but I don't know. Maybe that, maybe, maybe, maybe that's fine. We, we always see that uh, if you use projections... Uh, especially in a highly variant sport like MLB, uh, if you just run like the top 50 optimals from like the bat or where, wherever you get your projections, the differences between t- the top one and the 50th one from a median standpoint is typically not much, less than a point. So like you don't realize that 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 expected value for like God knows how long. They're essentially, the, it's within the margin of error of just even the projections in general so like if even if you were to do that like how much worse can you can you be than another person all the this person's playing the bad optimal and i'm playing the 26 lineup that is a 3v3 off of that like it's probably you're probably at at worst 50.2 to 49.8 or maybe not even that you're a mar- marginal marginal uh uh 50.005 to like, it's really, really small. But the thing with that is to exploit that. Well, what's the difference between that lineup and the lineup that's three points lower projected, five points lower projected, eight points lower projected. Now in a head to head environment, you wouldn't want to do that because let's say, let's say for instance, on average, if you play a lineup that is five points lower projected in MLB, you're, let's just say, we're, I don't know what these are the figures are. This is why I'm running the experiment and running some sims and stuff like that. Uh, let's say you're a 55-45 underdog. Let's say you have a 45% chance of winning against one lineup if you play the lineup that is five points lower projected than whatever you're, you're, that you expect to be up against, right? Well, what happens? Now, in head-to-heads, obviously, you're, you're going to lose money in the long run. I mean, obviously doing that. You're only winning 45% of the time and you're getting paid. Let's even take out the rake. You're getting paid double. I was just going to say, and and then there's rake. Right. Let, let's just take out the rake to begin with. But let's say you were playing, let's say you got played triple and you were playing against the same lineup. So you're five points lower projected. You're, you're a 45% chance of beating that lineup. But now both of your opponents in a three-man have the same exact line. Well, you're going to win 45% of the time, but now you're getting paid 3x. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting paid 3x, 45% of the time, you are profitable now. Mm-hmm. And this is the, goes back to the dynamic of duplicating in three-mans and five-mans and very small type of, type of progressive payout structured type of contests are horrible. You're essentially handing over equity to the, your opponents by doing so. If you duplicate the full lineup, I mean that you're you're dead. 
So, like, I'm showing, here's a contest. This is from yesterday. In, uh, it's a three-man contest. And I'm, I'm not doing this to call out people. Like, Keep Common, Tilt On, and BK Reader are great cash players on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Would I play them in head-to-heads? No. Don't seek them out in head-to-heads. Uh, but the thing is, I could, I could very well project and predict the lineups that these, the, the best cash players are going to play within a 2v2 or something. They're going to be, I, cause I have projections from everywhere. So I know exactly what, what people are going to do. So if you take a look at my lineup from the three, it's a three man, this lineup projected 2.8 points lower than my aggregate optimal lineup, taking projections from everywhere. Okay. Now, you could obviously see we share with my my opponents, share Cease, McClanahan, Kirk, and Smith, mm-hmm. okay? Now, I know you're thinking, well, isn't the point of my experiment is to be as different as possible? Yes, but the second point is while still maintaining a high projection. When I ran lineups, I found that if I took out either Cease or McClanahan, my projection dropped way too much. Yeah. If I took out... Kirk or Josh Smith, it dropped way too much. So it's like, I start from the most own. I go, okay, well, if I don't play Cease, what does the lineup look like now? Well, it projects for now two, two and a half points lower just on Cease being missing. It's like, that's way too much for one player. If I took out McClanahan, my projection dropped four points, which means I'd still have to play the batter, most of the batters that everyone else is playing. And just a different pitcher. And I lose four points of projection for doing that. This is a lineup. Uh, and same for Kirk. Kirk and Smith. I dropped Smith uh, one and a half point difference. And Kirk was like a 1.2 point difference. Mm-hmm. So my, my rule of thumb is if I don't have to, if I don't have to sacrifice more than a point, I might as well not have them. Right? So this lineup in total, by not have, I have being a one, two, three, four, uh, six V six. Right, to have six less players than my opponents would have, and I'm probably pointing out three this three man in specifics. But if you went to d- triple ups or double up, you'd see that, like, wow! If you saw my lineup in cash games, you'd be like, wow! Why? Like, other than Kirk, other than the pitchers and Kirk and Smith, like, you really, like, you went off the board. Like, some of these guys in double ups were single digit owned, but if I told you, it's like, well, this lineup still only projects two point eight points lower than lineups that have like 40% owned players in it. You wouldn't think so. You'd be like, oh, this is so weird. But it really isn't that weird. And then if I look at my opponents, and I did this one particularly, because I I could have pulled out other three-mans, is that look at my opponents. My opponents, yes, they played Cease, McClanahan, Kirk, and uh, Smith. Mm-hmm. But they, they played the same exact lineup other than Keep Calm and Tilt On had... Sosa as a cheap second baseman and BK reader had Jonah bride at 2,100 as a mm-hmm. cheap second baseman, but their entire liners were exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was like a very popular cash lineup in double ups or whatever. Vlad, uh, Seeger, Springer, Sheets, Reyes, right? Basically it's, a, I'm, I'm essentially playing against the, it's the, it's the perfect situation that I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm playing against the same exact lineup other than a one V one. Yet I have a 6v6 and I'm giving up 2.8 points of projection. And probably if I simulated this out, I'm going to win this 
this three man 46, 47% of the time. Like against this one, against the one line, against, if they both played the same lineup, like against those lineups, I'm like a 47% dog, maybe, maybe even less, maybe 40, 47.6%. It's like, dude, but I only have to win this contest at like a 38% rate, rate with the rake to break even. Yeah. And if you look, think intuitively, okay? So we're not even thinking in terms of like, well, the duplication and the 66 and the math is that what ways, if you're, if you're keep calm and tilt on, obviously if they duped, they could only win $13.50 each because if they come in first, they split it. That's not going to be profitable long-term, right? We all know that's, that's the, that's the collusion. If you wanted to collude, You'd purposely try to dupe someone else's lineup and then have a second account that has a completely different lineup, right? Uh, so if you're keep calling until dawn, you look at this contest. Let's say this is the only contest you're playing. And like, this is where my attention is. You'd look and go, wow, I'm in bad shape. How do I win this contest? Well, if Seeger hits a home run, well, that doesn't do much for me because BK Reader has Seeger. Yeah, it, it helps us both beat blender ed right but if sheets if sheets does well like sheets did well well that didn't help him against bit like the only thing that matters to keep coming tilt on is a 1v1 of sosa and bride mm-hmm. everything else doesn't even matter uh other than the fact of they both so they both have to this lineup has to both beat me and then sosa has to beat out bride my lineup is not dependent on that. My lineup, like, yeah, Smith, they, these guys don't matter, right? Essentially, we're playing, we're pl- I'm, I'm playing six players in this lineup. I got six shots to beat out all of those players, right? So, like, I don't have to worry. Like, if, if Josh Donaldson hits a home run, and I ain't sharing points with anyone. Like, these points aren't being shared by anyone. And, of course, Tellus hits two home runs, and that totally helps me out because uh, I didn't have sheets. Uh, cheats his home run, but I had all these other shots. So for like 2.8 points lower, this lineup is not, it, this lineup is the most profitable lineup in this contest. Yeah. If we were to simulate this three man, even though I gave up 2.8 points of projection, I have the most profitable lineup in this contest. That's, this is the concept that, that this is the experiment. Theoretically, theoretically it's sound, whether it works out in, 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 in real life, prag pragmatically, that that's what I'm testing, and then looking at the results and then simulating what it could have been, and then finding where the line is. Like really, the whole point of the experiment is not whether or not the concept is sound. The concept is sound, mathematically, absolutely. Where the line is, right? I gave up 2.8 points in projection. Is actually a more prop. If if I would have not played Josh Smith either. And giving up 3.5 points in projection, is that even more profitable? Mm-hmm. Right? If if I would have get, sacrificed four points with McClanahan, is that more like where's the line of how much projection am I willing to give give up to eliminate overlap between these lot between my lineup and the field's lineups? Because if you took that, if you took a look at the keep these these lineups, like in, in triple ups, like Reyes was like 56% owned. And Springer was like 48% owned. And Sheets was 38% owned. And Seeger at shortstop was 50 plus percent. Like, like the whole, like half the field had practically the same lineup in a 31 man triple up. 
And I'm sitting there with like a 66 off of it going, yo, if you, if you guys do well, it's like, dude, some of you may be splitting that triple up money, right? Cause the only top nine out of 31 pay. And you're going to have to make sure your one V ones and two V like the difference. If you're, if this lineup does well in a triple up, it's quite possible that you don't even cash because Sosa has a zero and, and Gorman at second has a 12 right. or bride has a 15. Like, you lost the one v one, and every you didn't separate yourself with enough points from other people. So now you come in twelfth in a triple up. Now I come in like thirtieth, so that's fine. But it's not a matter of who comes closest to the cash line. Either I cash or I don't. I my standard deviation on these lineups are going to be much higher mm-hmm. because I don't share as many points with the field. So really, the experiment comes down to how much, how much how much projection are you willing to sacrifice and what's the optimal amount of a lack of correlation intermixed between the other lineups. So maybe I did too much. Maybe I did too little. Maybe I did just enough. Maybe any of those is profitable, but which is the most profitable. So that's why what, what I'm doing is not for double ups and head dads. I know some people may go, Oh, they'll look at my lineup in a double up. Because I'm throwing this these lineups into double ups just to just to see, and they'll go, oh, okay, I'm going to play like this, but I'm only going to play head dads and double ups. And it's like mathematically, you shouldn't be doing that. This is only no. when you're getting paid three, five, ten x on your money because you're going to be beating a similar lineup that half the field is playing, right? Scorpion McScorpion in 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 chat right now. Will this work in NFL double ups? This will not work in double ups. Anything that you get paid 2x, 50-50s, head-to-heads, why would you ever play a lineup? That, if your goal is a 50th percentile outcome and you're playing a lineup that reaches the 50th percentile 48% of the time versus a lineup that reaches 50th percentile 50% of the time, how are you ever going to be profitable doing that? So here's here's the a very, very basic math example of it. Uh, if you do this and you think that Blunder thinks that his win rate on this lineup is 46% in this contest, okay? Let's just say, as an example. As an example, let's say it's 46%. In a three-man, you only have to win 38 to 40% of the time in order to be profitable. Right, to, so beat, the, to beat the rake. Like, it would be 33% rake. without the rake, right? To break even, and like 38% with the rake. Right. So with the rake, 38 to 40%. So if you're winning 46% of the time, that means that you're playing in a profitable way. However, with double ups and head to heads, you need to win between 58 and 60% of the time to beat the rake and also be profitable. So this lineup winning only 46% of the time would make you a not profitable player in double ups and head to heads with this strategy. Which, which is basically purposely playing a lineup that's lower projected for the sake of not having similar players as other people. And obviously there's no like core. I'm not building five man stacks or anything because I don't, I don't need, I don't need to win. Like in the, in the 121, I'm building that type of lineup, but in, in the three man's five man's, you know, 10 man's that type of stuff. I don't need to, I just like, let me just take a lineup that projects high that isn't as correlated to the rest of the field. And this is also dependent on knowing what the field is going to do. Okay. Like I, I've said this before. I said this last week because people have been asking. It's like, Oh, I'm, 
if this works, I, this is a game change. Like, like, you can't just do this. You have to know what the field is going to do. And that's one of my core strengths, knowing what the field is going to do. So I have to, I, it's, I looked at like this literal lineup that keep calm until dawn. If I were to play head to heads yesterday, this would have been my lineup. It would have literally been my lineup. This is the first optimal lineup from the aggregate projections that I have. It literally is my, like, so I have to know if like, if I'm getting this, other people that, especially in the cash lobby and MLB, it's going to look someone like this. And look, BK Reader did the same exact thing. He just had Bride slightly higher projected than Sosa, right? So that's why Bride came up and same. So now that I know that, right? Now that I know what my opponents are doing, they're they're playing. They may be playing their portfolio up uh, profitably. I don't want to say optimally, profitably, because BK Reader is 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 playing like thirty thousand dollars worth of volume. I mean, like he's playing this he's one lineup into yeah. everything. Yeah, he's yeah right. So he's someone 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 some schmuck is is taking him up on a five hundred thirty dollar head to head and playing a lineup that's five points lower projected. Uh, he's making his money that way. He's making double ups and uh, high stakes and everything like that. But he's also throwing it into three mans and five mans and 10 mans and stuff like that. And I know that so many people do that. So why can't I go, especially in the low end, five, $10, I can't play the three and $1 contests, right? But I can play the fives, the tens, the 25s, the twenties, every, all of that, and just build up a lot of volume in there. So I play, you know, play 800, a thousand dollars worth of volume knowing that I know I'm going to be playing against very similar lineups all the time. I, I obviously cherry pick this one in particular because it explained the point very well, but James, one thing that I'm finding, okay, th- this is to me, this is a conundrum. Okay. Because th- I've, 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 I've in, in practice, I'm actually finding that I may need to solve for something else also in this experiment. Mm. Okay, so I sh- in in this example I'm showing where I could predict their lineups. Okay, so I have like guys like I knew in this three man this, that I'm going to be profitable in doing what I'm doing. Uh, but what about the contest where the third guy or in a five man where the fourth and fifth guy guy I'm using guy girl whatever. Uh, is is a poor player. So, and I, I especially find this on FanDuel more than DraftKings. So what, what, because I've been looking at my contest. So I'll look at a five-man and five-mans pay just top one. There's nothing on FanDuel. So it's like the top, the top lineup, the bottom four get nothing. But even in three-mans, it's, it's the same way. On DraftKings, second place gets money on, on five-mans on DraftKings. So I maybe on on FanDuel, what I've seen is that it'll be me, it'll be another sharp player that I recognize, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two sharper players like that play everything, and then two people I've like that may not even have badges, two people I've never I've never I don't know I don't recognize on FanDuel, and now I'll look at the lineups. I looked at the lineups after after the fact, and the two sharper players. I, I, I guess they're, I, I know their lineups pretty much. Right. And my lineup is like a five V five off of theirs. 
So it sacrificed, you know, three points in projection. And, you know, they're like a 2v2 maybe between each other. And then I'm like a 5v5 off of them. But I probably still have some of their players because those are the highest projected players, uh, which is fine. If I can get a 5v5 and then still maintain a good projection and they're duplicated with a 2v2, that's much better for me. But the two guys underneath them have line like I, I played one five man when one person played a lineup that was 17 points lower projected than mine. And then an- another line that that some of these lineups are like six points, seven points lower projected than than the optimal, than than the, the my aggregate optimal or something like that. Or a three man. I'm in a three man, and it's me, another sharp cash player, and a rando. And I'm a five v five or six v six off of the sharp player, but the bad player, I'm also a 5v5 off of, but they also have different players. And their lineup projects for like like seven points lower than my lineup. <clears throat> so in those scenarios, is it profitable? Because if you could find the worst players, shouldn't I just be playing the, the highest median lineup anyway? against the worst players? Why am I sacrificing any projection against the worst players? Because I'm not gaining anything equity-wise because I'm not sharing players with them because they're playing stuff that I wouldn't even show up in my lineups. Uh, Or is it that because I'm less duplicative with the sharp player, but I still have such a high projection off of the bad player that... Who is more profitable in that scenario in a three-man? Let's say, for instance, uh, sharp player A, let's call him McLovin, okay? He's in everything. We could just call any anyone, BK Reader, whoever. Yeah, whatever. Typically, it's, it's those two, primarily. Uh, they have a lineup that that's 110. I have a lineup that's 107. And the bad player has a lineup that's 100. Now, in this three-man, like, like, it... McLovin's lineup at 110 isn't being duplicated because I purposely did not play five players that he played and the bad player didn't play five players, I don't know, on purpose or not, that shouldn't it be more profitable for McLovin with the 110 projection in that scenario, even though me and him share like four or five players amongst both of us. Mm -hmm. The bad player has 100. Like, wouldn't wouldn't it be better? Like, Where's that equilibrium? Because I know, let's say, for instance, I played the same lineup as McLovin. Then technically, we both are negative EV, and we actually gave the bad player plus EV, or or he's close because his projection is 10 points lower. So he's not going to win as often, but when we win, we split, you know, the three-man. Do you understand the point that I'm trying to make that I'm running into a lot of bad players in some of these contests where like I can't possibly predict their lineups and then I put I plug their lineups into lineup HQ with my projections and their lineups are just awful like if this was a head bad I'd rather have the top aggregate optimal but what is the effect of me changing my lineup in comparison to the sharp players and then in a five man and let's say there's two other sharp players maybe maybe it's more worthwhile for me to not be duped duped as much with them even though there are two other bad players in the line. Yeah, I, I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so for sure, in that instance, the optimal is the better play. 
like without a doubt, in a three man, the optimal is a better play. Um, yeah, but no, no, no. But, but the op, what, what I said before about the equilibrium, the optimal is a better play if the lineups were 110, 107, 100. I'm getting there. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're getting there. Go. Getting there. So for sure, that instance, the optimal is a better play. Uh, if if you were to assign win percentage values to that and say that Mach 11 has a 45% chance to win that contest, you have a 40% chance to win that contest, and the rando has a 15% chance to win that contest, without a doubt, the optimal is a better play there because it has a it has a five percent advantage over your lineup, and because you're not because it's three man, only one person is going to win it. Um, the rando specifically there is just shot, but like your lineup, even though your lineup is likely profitable over the long term, it's not the most optimally profitable route that you could go there. Um, and a five man. No, but uh, no, you, you're skipping over the point that I wanted to make about the equilibrium. Okay, make, make your point. Yeah. At the 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 profit of of the top lineup, let's just say McLovin's lineup at one ten, mm-hmm. is directly related to the lineup that I choose to play. So let's say. Oh right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So let's say now that I know that a, a bad player is in, let let's say I see the three man. It's McLovin and Rando, and I could let's say I could just. Let's say I pencil in the rando for a lineup that's 10 points lower than than the optimal lineup. Yeah. And let's say I know exactly the line. Let's just say I know exactly the lineup that McLovin is going to play. Like literally exactly. Yeah. Now, if I would, because the rando's lineup is so low projected in comparison, if I were to play the same lineup as McLovin, we're both unprofitable. That we're, because mm-hmm. you don't want to dupe in a three-man. So let's say it's a 1v1. Like, are we still not profitable enough because we're sharing nine players? Like, at what point does the equilibrium of, like, maybe my lineup at 109.68 versus his at 110 makes us a 4v4, and now our lineups are both, even though my projection is lower, I'm not, we're duped less that uh, uh, McLovin is game theory optimal because there's nothing I could do to exploit him now with a bad player in there. So maybe he wins at a, at a slightly more rate than a very slightly more than me. But mm-hmm. like, if I gave up three points of projection, I just give up too much to McLovin up there. Right. And I, I, there has to be some type of equilibrium where like he wouldn't want me to dupe him. Right. So like, I'm sitting there going, well, I know exactly what he's going to play. And I know that this, this bad player is awful, but I can't dupe him, but I still want to have a high enough lineup to beat the other guy, but I don't want to beat so low that I'm giving McLovin too much equity. There has to be an equal because the equilibrium goes to horrible when we're duped. And then it comes back and goes like this. But then as I get further away from McLovin's medium projection, you hit that horrible rate again, right? I hit the horrible range again, right? Like, so there, there has to be something in between, I, I wish Nerdy Tenor was here. I wish Dan. I think this is something that he could simulate. Yeah, I was like, going to say you. You're going to have to back test for that if you want to find the actual equilibrium. Like off the top of my head, I, I think that the answer there, and, and this now comes into how big of a nit you want to be, right? Where you would be having to go into your contests and see who the players are, and if there's a rando and a three man versus a eleven, then in in that contest, then you take what you presume to be Mach Levin's lineup and then you start there and then you switch to a 3v3 or something because that off the top of my head that probably sounds about right you'd want a 3v3 in that situation right you're probably giving up less than a point even doing right that. You, you don't want to give up more than two points in projection off the top of my head you want to have it be like 
him having like a 43% chance and you having a 41% chance or something like that. Right. Um, and, and even then, you know, like it's still not a great situation because you're still like, Oh, well, I am, I am purposely going to be giving up points of equity here. It's, that's an interesting. It, it could turn out James. It could turn out that it may be more, it's more in the three man's. And we'll get to the five bands, but three mans are easier to explain because there's only three people yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, that it's quite possible. It sounds the weirdest because it goes against, like the one of the fundamental concepts of playing DFS properly. Of like, uh, well, it goes against, and it also goes to like the two the two things. Like this is why I find these types of types of experiments interesting. Is that the two uh, the two things. Uh, in all of these types of games, is one your profit will prim primarily or ROI will primarily be decided by the strength of your opponents, not mm -hmm. the strength the, the relative strength between you and your opponents. But just like in poker, if you were playing against people, no matter how good they are, with their hand face up, you'd never lose. Right? Right? You'd never make a bad decision. I'm not saying that you wouldn't lose a hand, but you'd never make an, a negative EV decision because you could see their hand. So, is it? It's quite possible. That in three mans, that playing against two randos may be less profitable than playing against two of the sharpest players in the entire lobby. Absolutely agree. But that if you go in and go, oh, I see BK Reader and McLovin in my contest, and in a three, two out of three, like that would be maybe more profitable doing something like this than I see two people without even a badge. You know, I I had a discussion yesterday, and I, I've been doing a, a community conversations thing on my YouTube, and I'll probably talk about that uh, either today or tomorrow. But I was having a conversation that uh, the lower dollar contests, I think that, that lower dollar small contests, and especially the large contests, are considerably more difficult to win. Win, not cash in, not be like long-term profitable, but win, considerably more difficult to win than the higher dollar small field stuff. Because when you look at the way that sharp players are playing, like I know a lot of what like the really, really good players are going to be playing, right? So I can leverage that a lot easier. If I'm in like the $5, 20,000 person contest. You might as well just play the chalk, right? What? I, there's no way for me to know what these people are going to be playing. So I... It, it's taboo to say it, but the higher dollar small field contests, I think, are significantly more predictable and therefore much easier to leverage than things that are small dollar and large field. Because the volatility of worse players makes it harder for you to win. So uh, it, it's a it's a really interesting thought. And um, well, what I'm thinking, James, what I'm thinking, we talked about if you wanted to be a nit, but maybe that would be correct. I make two lineups for this purpose, mm -hmm. right? So I make two. I make two lineups. One is my aggregate optimal, and one is whatever I switch to. And then, if I see uh, the aggregate optimal, I can actually play in double ups and head to heads. Right. Right. Uh, and then I also play in any three man fight, any of those types of contests where I see where I see bad players. Right. If I see a two out of three in one, you know, like. If I if I see you know bad players in contests and I don't see the other sharp players, right? I play that lineup, and then when I see the when I see as long as one other sharp player is in it, then I play the other line. Right. Yeah, I was going to say automatically in three mans and five mans, but at least the aggregate optimal 
or whatever you consider the optimal. Mm-hmm. You can play, I mean, that, that would be perfectly fine in head-to-heads and double. Because the worst-case scenario, you're flipping coins. Right. You're flipping a coin on one player, like that situation. It's it's Levin Sosa versus Jonah right. Prime or whatever. You just flip that coin, and that's you know you make money on that. Um, you you would do it that way. You would say in three mans where you are up against two randos or people that you do not consider to be great players, you just play the aggregate off. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And then anything where there is a sharp player, you have to then make that decision. If there's one sharp player. You, you would almost want to say, Jordan, in this case. I almost would rather have two of them in there. You you would almost want to say in this case that you would want to avoid any three-man where it's a good player, you, and a rando. Because you cannot possibly build a lineup that is as optimally EV as you would want it to be. Right. Well, well the, the only that, – and, and that creates an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. of let's say it's a two out of three – you go in the lobby, it's two out of three. Sharp player, rando. Well, that almost, uh, it, it makes it that, here's here's the dynamic. Sharp players wouldn't want to join that contest, if this is true, mm-hmm. uh, because they're more likely to dupe with the other sharp player. But then that also means that the third person is more likely to be a rando, which means the sharp single player in that lineup gets an excess amount of equity. <laughs> Makes it even more so that almost makes it more profitable to be the first sharp player in no matter what. Yep. In this dynamic, I don't think people are paying attention enough. That's why, like, I don't think we've reached a point where we're going to play those types of games. That's why, to me, like, that's why I said before, it's weird for me to say that it's quite possible. That's why I'm testing this type of stuff out. Mm -hmm. And when I see, when I see a a three man or a five man with multiple sharp, sharp cash players in it, uh, I do join some of those because I want to have some of those and some with randos and some like so I can compare the two. But I don't want to just go whole hog and like, oh, it's more profitable to play three mans against two people that you could almost predict their lineups and then just go like, I got to play. Because if that's the case, you got a lot of action there if you want it. Right? You understand like, like that's not just $5 contests. It's like, if that's true, it's like, dude, you can start joining $270 three mans as much as you want. Cause you're going to find like the same group of like five or six people and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, somebody who, who I think has done very well in, in exercising this is um, just McMahon. Like his, his core strategy when it comes to being a, a profitable DFS player is that he seeks out these higher dollar sharp contests and he, actively goes against them so i I think that he is kind of a a good realistic and and like in practice example of what we're talking about here i I don't know if he has done this on purpose and like has done the back (laughs) thing you were doing well well that uh, james the last thing i was going to say is that it's quite possible it's quite it's actually quite likely it's not even quite quite possible it's quite likely that two in a three-man two sharp players automatically could poss- could make the the third player's lineup plus EV mm-hmm. by accident. Like the bad player actually has a plus EV strategy completely by accident. Now, obviously, you probably shouldn't play a lineup that's 10 points lower projected, but if that bad player in that three-man between McLovin and BK Reader 
has a lineup that's like four points lower projected with like eight different players. It's like on accident. Yeah. I'm by accident. And it's like, isn't that what I'm trying to do? I mean, like I'm purposely trying to do that. And the bad player accidentally did it. And it's quite possible in the scheme of all of these contests that everyone's playing that the $5 here and the $10 there and everything like that isn't, isn't being noticed. And it's not truthfully, it's probably not worth the time. It's very similar to when uh, I firmly admit, especially in NFL, when I'm playing like 300 head-to-heads, that someone, uh, every probably a couple of times a season, someone will DM me out of the blue and say, uh, I played you in a head-to-head and we both had, uh, we both had so-and-so and so-and-so left for the late game and you didn't switch. Based on, I listen to your course, like, shouldn't you be blocked? I'm up on you by eight points. Shouldn't you be swapping? And I go... I should be, but it's a $5 head to head. And I went through my $150 ones first. Right. And by the time I get down to the $5 ones, block it. I mean, I'm not, I ain't getting down there. So that's just the cost of doing business. Like yeah. functionally, you're just not going to be able to do that. It, it's just considered an overhead cost at that point. Right. But that's what you're exploiting. To me, that, to me, it's more that you're exploiting that. Mm-hmm. Than something that's being consciously done, because then because yeah. people would say, well, if if they know if these are smart people, these are smart profitable players. If they know it, why aren't they doing it? It's like, well, if they do it, then I do it, and then they do it, and then someone's going to be playing the optimal lineup, and they're going to be profiting. Right, right. It's like it becomes a game of chicken at that yeah. point. And as of this point in the DFS ecosystem, two people playing like in that three man that I showed. They will get enough action as as instead of me being the third guy, there'll be someone that plays a lineup that's way lower projected. And over the course, this is one 10-man three-player, $10 three-player contest. They will find enough action and diversification and bad players that, yes, they're giving up an edge in this specific contest, but it's not exploitable enough right. over the course of time. But if someone... Hey, went hey, to the yeah. high stakes yeah, and bled them more like this, then it'd be more likely that they, they'd start to adapt. And then once they start to adapt, then you'd have to start to adapt. And then and you then go right back to the game of optimal. Yep. Right. Then it becomes yeah. the who, who the rush to play the optimal. And I think we're going to see that uh, to close out the show. Uh, James, guess what, what, what happened in my tiebreaker on, on Saturday? Was it another tie? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a two man tie. It was uh okay. Uh, me and McLovin, of course. Yeah. Tied for second. It was a two out of four. Uh, so someone came in first. Someone came mm-hmm. in fourth. And we got the last spot. Yeah. There's no more tiebreakers. because There's no more MMA slates because the round two is coming up. So they told us uh, uh, we're going to have to do an MLB slate. <laughs> and guess what? It's an MLB tiebreaker against McLovin. And there we go. And now so we're isn't at... isn't just to go back to exactly what I'm talking about. Like, dude, I'll know exactly what lineup. Like, do I play his lineup or not? Do I make the the person on DraftKings side have an aneurysm <laughs> where where on tomorrow's slate, like I'll be the first one to not play chicken game, and I'm just gonna play. I'm just I'm gonna play the optimal. I'm gonna play the projected optimal, which I know is what McLovin plays. We're gonna tie. Yeah, on on a, on a probably I don't know how many games are on the slate. The person from DraftKings is going to wonder why the hell we, 
how the hell did you tie in a 12-game MLB slate <laughs> and go, I guess we're going to have to play another MLB slate, and then I have to decide whether or not do I play. Like, what's going to happen? Because this is this, this is the main is reason why we down. tied in MMA. Because Jordan, we're playing- this, this is what's going to happen, all right? You guys are just going to keep going at each other. You're, you're going to keep duping on MLB, and then it's going to come up to the night before the round two, right? And the, and the DraftKings intern, this poor guy, he's on his seventh cup of coffee. He's watched you guys dupe like 10 slates in a row. Y'all duped on main slates. He tried to make you guys go up against each other on a late slate. You duped on that one. He, he made you guys go up against each other. Showdown, you duped on that one. And then he's like, I only have one more option. They're going to have to play head-to-head in a League of Legends slate <laughs> so that they can decide for MMA the next day. Because the League of Legends slates take place at 1.45 in the morning, and it's the last slate that he has before the next Right, there's no more slates left, right. And then, Jordan, you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to come to me and my League of Legends knowledge so that you can beat Mach 11 and get this MMA slate. Right, and, and, he, and now I'm going to do that. Story. You know what's going to end up happening? And they're going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. It's uh, perfect. So uh, I'll I'll be keeping people apprised of this experiment as mm-hmm. uh, as as time goes on. I'll be playing tonight. I'll be. I mean, you can take a look. Whatever lineup I'm playing in whatever contest, you'll see. I'm playing like on DraftKings. I'm playing the 121, and whatever the largest five dollar double up for something is, like I'll be in that. So if you want, if you want to see my lineup, but I've I've not the 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 thing the the thing James I've really. Until I know where, where the line is, I'm still kind of just judging it by sight, mm-hmm. right? So, like, there are choices where it's like, is this is it worth getting even more off this this line? Like, there, do I? I could have played Jesse Winker yesterday, but not play Jesse Winker. I thought had a probability of being in like twenty percent of lineups, yeah. not as much as these guys. But still enough so that's like, well, if I take out Winker, who would I, who do I get? And I got a lower own guy, and I only lost like 0. 0.5, 0.05 in projection. So, so I, thought, I thought, okay, that was worth it. But there's I could actually just... a, a really easy way to do this, and you can set up a simulation on this. And you I can, can, I can. I mean, someone can. I can. I can. I can set up a simulation on this easy. I, I built a. I built a little thing like this the other day for a demonstration where you can put in your the lineup that you think is going to be the optimal. You put in the aggregate optimal, right? And then you put in whatever lineup you want to play, and then you can run simulations based on their deviations. And, and you well, can see. What, hey, well, hold on, hold. On. Aren't we doing? This is an Excel tool. We're we're, yes. we're doing. This is an Excel tool. That's why I'm mentioning it. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. I, I didn't know you're like you're mentioned. Like I have this thing that I use. I'm like, yeah. hold on. This is. I hope <laughs> I hope you're talking about the same thing that I, I want in, where you could just run two lineups against each, run yeah. a couple lineups against each other with, like, as long as you have like the percentiles, mm-hmm. right? It, of course, it it doesn't take into account this. This is a normal. Basically, you're just simulating a normal distribution. For NBA, I do actually have a tool where I use the standard deviations that are not normally distributed. But yes, the okay. tool that will be in, in the course will be a normally distributed tool. So right. for, for when Nerdy Tenor buys the book and then he does this and he's like, oh, this is normally distributed. This isn't right. Please spare me. It is a, it's, it's a basic it's, it's tool. Meant, it's meant as a, as, a, as a blunt tool of like, right? right? If you have the flag in, in, our, in our projections, you'll see like floor and ceiling. And it's like, 
Well, what is the floor and ceiling based on your projection? Some people use 15th and 85th. Some use yeah. 25th and 75th. I use 25th like, and 75th. Right. Yeah. So you put that in, you put these three numbers in, and then you just, just no correlation between the players or anything. It's just like, how many times is one, what, what is the score of each lineup a thousand times? And how many, what percentage of times does one lineup beat at the other lineup? Yeah. And so that's, that's what you would do. I'd off the top of my head, I think that you'd probably be aiming for like a 47% win rate with this. That's that off the top of my head for three right. mans. For yeah. three mans. And in five mans, you need like a you need like a 20, you need like 28%. Yeah. So on I, average, yeah. you're gonna win 20% okay, of the yeah. time yeah. with the rate. Yeah. You're gonna need 20, you need to win over 22%. Yeah. So, so I as would long as it's over 20, 24%. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I'm excited for these little tools. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Um, like I like I said before the show started, I'm almost done with a, a pretty good chunk of them. Um, and then I can start. But because the, the ones that I've been working on, I use the same framework, right? Like it, it just starts there and then I can just add little things here and there. Um, the next run of them, the, the more like self-contained tools, those will take a little bit more time, but those are going to be really, really cool. I'm excited. Right. For and this is all open source. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's in Excel. So it has to be. Yeah. So if you're good in Excel and you want to add it'll, on to it'll it be or very easy yourself, to use and right, like people can just you know like oh I want to add this thing to but I want to try this thing like yeah here you go do do whatever the hell you want but of course once you start modifying and, it, don't come, don't tell us for like tech support or anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will be there for tech support if necessary, but please, I I can't help a thousand people build out their Excel stuff. And right. it's more of the fact frankly, that the, the thing that you. That you sent is bro like that that's why i mentioned that percent thing i could see mm -hmm. people putting that in and going i don't know why this doesn't work yeah it's like no you need a decimal and because that's that's the proper way of displaying mm -hmm. it. but yeah whatever uh pay dirt underscore dfs on twitter yep uh i, I see i saw your tweet you, you thanked me for for actually uh, putting calls to actions on your site yeah yeah uh over at paydirtdfs.com i put in a lot of work to try to help site engagement and, and to push things and push things and work on C SEO and S and CTAs and everything like that. And um, yeah, I added a whole bunch of free stuff too. So there's now MLB research sheets. Uh, so that if you want to go look at splits for expected home run per nine and fancy points for plate appearance and stuff like that, that stuff's all there. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for the help. It's been, it's been massive. It's been really good. I'll give you one more tip once we're off the air. Yeah. Yay. Cool. I'll give you one more tip. Yeah. You could you could do, uh, but you could follow James Pater underscore DFS. Uh, follow me at Blender HD. Obviously, a lot of the concepts we talk about, we just talked about today, are in the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. Fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass. Me and James teach you a structured version of all these types of concepts. Fifteen hours long. Uh, so pick that up. Theoryofdfs.com. Uh, we got Grinders Live later today. If you're interested in the baseball slate, MLB, 5 o'clock with Dean and the guys, then then Roth. I think Roth is back. I don't know if we have any weather today. It's hot outside, and it may be some weather. That's 6.20 crunch time, MLB, which is free all season, brought to you by FanDuel. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be continuing my experiment tonight on both sites and talk to you tomorrow, reviewing everything and answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on Roto Grinders. Dot com. <laughs>